Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair, yep. his ice-cold demeanor, and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. My name is Sergeant Andrew Scott. Come on, guys, don't do this. If I don't get breakfast, I get real grumpy. I don't think you like me grumpy. And you go in pieces, asshole. Let's kick some ass. Hello, and welcome back to I Must Break This Podcast. The fan podcast looking at the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Today, we are stepping slightly outside of the realm of Dolph's cinematic efforts and instead focusing on his work in television, particularly his one episode starring roles in comedic television shows by discussing his guest starring turns on the shows Chuck, Workaholics, and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'm your host, Sean Malloy, and joining me to discuss these specific episodes is David Rosen, host of the Piecing It Together podcast. David, thank you so much for agreeing to this and coming back, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me again. This is going to be a fun conversation for sure. You know, it really is because, I mean, I remember, I mean, we should probably let the listeners kind of know uh, the, the impetus for this particular episode, but I remember it was about a year ago or so when uh, when Dolph uh, guest starred on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I know that you're a big Sunny in Philadelphia fan, is that right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so I remember you, you, you and I got in contact and you were like, you know, Hey, have you seen that particular episode yet? And, I, and unfortunately I hadn't yet. And you said, well, if you, if you'd like to talk about it and you, you want to guest, I'm the man. So you know, please, please you know, consider me. And so I kind of thought about it and I was thinking, well, wait a minute here. Okay. Dolph has not just guest starred on the, the television show, Sunny in Philadelphia, but he's actually had, um, he's actually had a few opportunities where he's guest starred on multiple, uh, comedic television shows, we'll say. And so that, that's kind of how I, uh, how I came up with this idea where I pretty much was like, okay, look, if we're going to discuss Sunny in Philadelphia, why not just discuss them all? Why not discuss his, uh, his cameo on the show, Chuck? which was in 2010. Why not discuss uh, his, his cameo on the show Workaholics, which was again in uh, 2015. And then we'll end it with, uh, with our discussion of Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, and he's such a, a perfect pop culture icon to bring onto these kind of comedy shows and just, you know, get his, his classic image into the joke, but then also, you know, just be a character and just be a part of whatever, you know, the, the various characters within these long running series, uh, whatever hijinks they're all getting up into. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because he really is. It's interesting here because, okay, and I've, I've said this on previous episodes, but it really was the Expendables in 2010. Okay. When, when Dolph, mm. you know, came back on the big screen with the Expendables, he had a huge career resurgence, not saying he ever really went away. I mean, he was in the direct to video world and, you know, as we've discussed on the show, some of those films are pretty good. Others, you know, maybe not so much, but thanks to the expendables, he was, he was essentially rediscovered by many. Okay. And after 2010, 
he just became a workhorse, okay? Not just in the direct-to-video market, um, because in the direct-to-video market, yeah, he was still working heavily. Some years, actually, he was uh, doing as many as four movies a year. But he also became tapped to start popping up on television in uh, many guest-starring roles. And like I said, it was I, I would like to think it was The Expendables that basically exposed him, okay? It's, it's basically The Expendables that unlocked and opened many of these uh of these opportunities and what's really interesting i mean you said it okay he's basically i mean we we can talk about the nostalgia whatever it is but i feel like and i'm just speculating here but i feel like what it is is the people running hollywood and television today okay are about in the age of you know you and me okay so they they grew up in the 80s and the 90s so they essentially know of dolph from rocky four you know of course and then as He-Man from Masters of the Universe. So I imagine, and this is just my theory here, but I imagine that when the very idea of attaching Dolph to a television show, okay, that right there elicits all sorts of nostalgia. And I think it's the nostalgia factor that is what's driving the decisions to have a presence like Dolph Lundgren popping up on all of these various television shows. Because, yeah, like I said, you said it, he is a pop cultural figure. I mean, he's basically the way I look at it. He's basically the masculine embodiment for the 1980s. Right. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And so, I mean, okay, if you're a showrunner of the show and you want to harken back to those, you know, those eighties action movies or whatever, um, obviously the obvious choices are okay. You can go Schwarzenegger or Stallone, but I feel like with Dolph, I mean, especially if you look at his, prolific output okay of the past 10 years okay if you can't get stallone and you can't get uh uh, arnold schwarzenegger obviously well then dolph he's the he's the obvious next step and it seems like he's game for just about anything these days i mean since the expendables we see him popping up in these cameo roles we see him on uh various commercials i mean he's hawked various uh products uh you know from a video game, uh, like an online mobile game. I remember that I saw online, yeah. um, like an insurance company. I mean, his, just his name and his appearance right there, I think uh, brings so much uh, nostalgia with it. That's an interesting point about him being game for all this stuff, because, and I'm sure you've watched uh, some Dolph Lundgren interviews and stuff like that. I haven't personally, but he's so hard to read just from the appearances, <laughs> whether or not he's actually like, cause I, I have to imagine that he loves kind of skewering his own image a little bit, but at the same time, I have no idea because he's such a tough guy and all these things, you know? So it's, it's hard to really tell, but I, I have to imagine he loves doing this. Oh yeah. I, I think he loves doing it. I think he loves, I mean, you just said it, you know, poking fun at his image. I mean, that's, Every one of these roles that we're going to be talking about today, these, uh, you know, okay, so Chuck, Workaholics in Sunny Philadelphia, that's basically what he's doing is he's playing with his image and he's having fun with it. And I would argue, okay, while he may have throughout the 80s and the 90s been in the shadows of some of those, uh, some of the other bigger guys, I would argue that Dolph perhaps may have uh, kickstarted a trend of sorts because if I'm not mistaken, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he guest starred on an episode of Two and a Half Men. And it's mm-hmm. uh and it's later run, and then we've seen Jean Claude Van Damme pop up, uh, um, hawking uh, Coors Light and uh, Doritos and GoDaddy, if I'm not mistaken. And every one of these little appearances is again him playing fun and poking fun at that '90s image. Dolph kicking down doors. Exactly, <laughs> he's literally <laughs> kicking down doors. 
And so with these particular roles, I mean, you, you look at it now and it's like, okay, he's done this a few times. But back in 2010, uh, Chuck was the first uh, television show that, you know, was, was really able to kind of uh, tap this, uh, this market, if you will. But these shows really allowed him to exhibit his humorous side. And like we keep saying, you know, have fun with his image, um, something that he really hadn't had much of an opportunity to do at that point. So I think that's kind of what attracted him to these various roles. Definitely. Yeah, I, th- I think that that is a great opportunity for him. And, and he took it and ran with it. You know, I've never done any television in America, and I've never done any, uh, any comedy. So for me, it's kind of fun to go back and revisit, you know, the Russian killing machine, but kind of have fun with it, and hopefully the audience is going to like it too. Of course, working with the cast here is fun. It's it's different, and like I said, it's uh, it's a different genre than what I'm used to. So I'm I'm uh, you know, I'm doing what I can. Hopefully, people will enjoy. So okay, if it's okay with you, I thought we'd save Sun- Sunny in Philadelphia for the end. Because sure, uh, sure. th- I have quite a few things to say about that one. So let's just talk about his first uh, uh, his first television show appearance, we will say, which was on the show Chuck. Okay, so the episode was titled Chuck versus the Anniversary. This is actually the fourth season premiere of the show, and uh, it premiered on September 20th, 2010 on NBC. I'll go to your opinions regarding this particular, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I I guess it's kind of difficult to review this particular episode because I'll admit I had never seen an episode of Chuck before. I had Mm -hmm. never, you know what I mean? This was my very first time watching it. And so I had to kind of go back through and kind of figure out, okay, what the show was about. So I, I will admit right now, it's probably not, it's not very fair for us to review this one considering we really don't have, at least me personally, I don't have much of a background or knowledge of this show, but um, I'll just go to you, your your opinions and your reactions on this particular episode. No, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there because I also had never watched Chuck before, so it's definitely the hardest of the three to uh, really kind of dive into because especially with how fast-paced a show it is, it's just like boom, boom, boom from one thing to the next, and we're jumping in at season four all of a sudden, and it's mm-hmm. like, it, it, yeah, I mean, you're really kind of lost jumping in that way. I didn't even realize that this is what Zachary Levi was from because obviously I, I've seen him in Shazam uh, a couple of years ago. And I didn't realize that that this was the show where he became a name. Uh, But it was fun, though. I mean, it's definitely a fun show. Like I said, it's super fast paced and uh, just kind of all over the place. And, uh, you know, aside from Dolph, a lot of other, you know, people you see popping up linda hamilton is in this one right um the the big standout for me harry dean stanton as a repo man um, yeah <laughs> that, was, that, that was wild um talk about playing with your image um that that was fun to see uh but yeah th- this is a an interesting show and and i i can see where jumping in like at the beginning and like going through it it must be a really fun show to uh to play along with 
You know, well, the, that was the, my big takeaway when I viewed the episode is that you can tell that this show was made by fans of the 80s and the 90s like you and right. me. I mean, let, let's face it. When you're casting Harry Dean Stanton, who is playing a repo man here, okay? <laughs> uh, I mean, and and they're not even being coy about their references here. They're not even right. being... I mean, they, they could have just dressed up Harry Dean Stanton as his character from the film Repo Men, right? But instead... Yeah. Or Repo Man, excuse me. Um, repo Men was the one with uh, Jude Law, right? The, right, the student right. Repo Men movies. Which is strangely um, not connected, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh you know they, they could have just dressed him up in the same attire but no instead they just flat out have him saying i'm a repo man you know what i mean like and yeah. and it's the same thing with dolph i mean they're they're having fun to where they are not even being coy about the fact that dolph just so happened to play ivan drago because <laughs> he even says lines as ivan drago he says i must break you Okay, mm-hmm. wink, wink, Ivan Drago. In case that was not, in case that was not known, and then later on in the episode, um, through a walkie-talkie, he says, "If he dies, he dies." And yeah. so it's kind of like these writers here. Obviously, they are just loving the fact that they have Sarah Connor, Ivan Drago, and Harry Dean Stanton's character all in the same episode here. <laughs> Yeah, they're just having so much fun with it. And uh, like I said, I haven't seen previous episodes of Chuck, but I, I have to assume based on the tone of this and just how just how fast it all is and how silly it all is that there's probably a lot of pop culture reference throughout this entire season, I, or series, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and digging through and watching it, I mean, like I said, it was it was a, it was a little uh, unfair to you know review this entire show based on this episode because I'm mean, okay. We had three seasons prior to understand and kind of connect with these various characters, but the one thing, the thing that I will say puts this particular episode apart from the other two shows that we're going to be discussing is this one is an episodic continuing story, and so that's one of the big reasons why I was lost. You come in and I have no idea who these various characters are, you know, their relationships with one another, anything like that. I mean, it's almost like you're walking in the middle of a movie and you have no idea. And so you're kind of trying to piece together, you know, the prior events as opposed to the episode of Sunny and then Workaholics. I mean, if you had never seen any of those previous episodes on those shows, you could still walk in and understand them. And I think that's the big, the big obstacle as well. Yeah, absolutely. And one other thing about this show, and I mean, obviously, this is an NBC, you know, sitcom or whatever you call this kind of show, but uh, it it seems like it was the most big budget of the three. So it it almost felt like a little mini movie, the way that it was kind of unfolding with with the all the action and all that. Well, I mean, we probably should talk about the, the the basic premise for the show. I mean, if I understand correctly, I think the basic gimmick of the show is you have the character of Chuck played by Zachary Levi, who can we say, okay, I had never, again, my the first thing I had seen Zachary Levi in was Shazam from a yeah, couple years did. ago. And then watching this, I will say, Zachary Levi is a charming and endearing actor. I mean, he really, he has a likable personality about him. I think that's one of the the, the big things about it. But I think the basic uh, premise and gimmick of the show is that Chuck is what? He's an, he's an underachieving 20-something-year-old, okay, who works at essentially a Best Buy, who is uh, pretty much uh, what he's sidelined by the, by the CIA to kind of start accompanying them on 
onto various missions, right? So you have it's 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 a straight up action comedy, okay? Some slapstick humor here and there, but you also get some uh, some you know exciting action sequences. I'll put exciting in quotes because I wasn't really blown away by any of the the action <laughs> of the film or the, the the show. But that's pretty much the uh, the premise, right? It's pretty much what if that nerd working at Best Buy also happened to moonlight for the CIA, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, and I don't know if you. I don't know if you if you uh, dug up on any of this or not, but I guess the show was actually supposed to be canceled after season two. Did you know about this? Oh, I did not know about that. I don't know that that history of it, but that makes sense for a show that's so uh, pop culturey. Like those seem to be the shows that fans end up rallying around, and it ends up you know getting a second life that wasn't expected. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, it was supposed to be canceled after the second season, but essentially the hardcore rabid group of fans. They just started rallying behind this thing and to where they got it an extra three seasons. Unfortunately, in its final uh, fifth season, it was dumped on uh, on Friday nights, you know, the Friday night death slot, if you will. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. You know, what's interesting is I feel like nowadays, if a show was going to be canceled at the second season and the fans were crying about it and really rallying behind it, at best, it would get another season premiere on like Hulu or Netflix. No way would a network bring it back. Sure. Yeah. No. That that is a a very rare thing uh, for these kinds of shows. So I guess okay. Your your final uh, your final opinions on this uh, particular episode. Did you did you enjoy it? Particularly how uh, Dolph was utilized in the episode. We we haven't really said, but uh, Dolph plays a, a bad guy, right? He's. Yeah. Uh, He's the uh, the villain who's working for a larger villain. Uh, we see him kidnap some of uh, Chuck's associates. And then, spoiler alert, at the end of the episode, he is terminated, quote-unquote, <laughs> pun intended, by uh, Linda Hamilton's character, who just so happens to be Chuck's mom. What did you, uh, what did you, <laughs> what did you think about this uh, silly, ridiculous episode? Yeah, I, I think it's a fun use of of Dolph, and like we've been saying, I mean this this show seems so steeped in pop culture references. I mean, he is just such a perfect person to to use for that that kind of foreign bad guy that the CIA is is going after. And uh, so yeah, it, it was fun, but of the three, it was kind of the hardest to get into because of the reasons we were talking about that were like so deep into an episodic show. Um, but only other thing I, I wanted to mention is that the Black Keys must have made so much money in royalties from this because Howling for You plays in like almost every scene. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I noticed that as well. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's much more to say about this particular one. Uh, Dolph is really only in the episode for, I'd say, a total of maybe 10 minutes. Gets to repeat some of his signature lines, but really doesn't uh, really doesn't get to have a heck of a lot of fun we will say at least I, I, i'm not seeing it on screen the second one that we're talking about i actually enjoyed a little bit more okay so workaholics uh the episode is called blood drive um this came from the fifth season of the show and it premiered on march 4th 2015 on comedy central i'm fresh So before we discuss this particular episode, David, your history with workaholics, have you, have you seen it before? And what did you think of it? This is a show that I've had friends that like tried to get me into it. And and I've always enjoyed when we ended up watching a couple episodes here and there, but I, I haven't watched that much of it. So I'd say like maybe five or six episodes I've seen before this. 
It's basically, I mean, I will admit, I did binge this show a few summers ago, actually. It's very immature, I, I would say. But it's basically an R-rated version of The Office. That's how I look sure. at it. I mean, it's basically yeah. if The Office was a hard, hard R filled with toilet humor and a ton of immaturity, you would get this. But dare I say it, I, fr- from watching all of the episodes like I have, there are some laugh out loud moments on this particular show. Blood Drive, the episode that we're going to be discussing, I don't think this is actually one of the best episodes. Um, I would say some of the episodes from the earlier seasons are actually better. But yeah, it is a uh, it, it is a pretty wacky, uh, very inappropriate little show. Yeah, it, it, it's it's very fun. And I, I could see if I had discovered this, you know, in my 20s when I was drunk, I, I probably would have really loved this show. Well, and the premise of the show is is pretty simple. I mean, like I said, I think anyone who enjoys The Office, okay, is guaranteed to find at least one or two episodes of the show that um, is going to bring a chuckle out of them. I mean, because like I said, sure. it's skewering that same type of uh, uh, Office-style humor, if you will. The the premise of this particular episode is pretty simple. The branch at Telemericorp, which is a telemarketing company, okay, so we have a branch. This is where our three main uh, our three main characters all work. Okay, so we have the character of Anders, uh, Adam, and Blake. Okay, um, they are all involved in a blood drive competition. This this is really weird to me. Okay, where pretty much the branch who donates the most blood gets a personal visit from Dolph Lundgren. Now, b- before we talk about the the guest appearance of Dolph here in this episode. Have you ever seen a blood drive competition before? I mean, that right there was so bizarre to me. Yeah, just the thought of it is so strange. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's not that far off because like, I don't know when the last time you gave blood is, but once you give blood, they hound you for more blood. So, I mean, I feel like people would use whatever whatever they could come up with to get you to give more blood. Well, and just the fact that, okay, whoever, whoever, I mean, because they never say that, that Dolph Lundgren is a, uh, is a sponsor or, you know, a uh, member of the Red Cross or whatever it may be. It's just whoever gets, whoever donates the most blood is going to get a visit from this 80s icon action hero that is Dolph. And so, of course, the three characters, okay, they each have their own agendas with this particular uh, episode, okay? So we have the character of Adam here. Who that actor? What is his name? Is it Adam? Adam Devine. Adam Devine. He is funny, man. I will admit his his stand up special on Netflix is actually quite good. Um, I love him in uh, the Righteous Gemstones. He's so good in that. He's awesome in that as well. And you know, he also did a. Uh, uh, it's a pretty. It's kind of a ridiculous uh, movie to be honest, but it's on the Disney Plus. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus called Magic Camp, if I'm not mistaken, where he's like okay. a failed ma- uh, magician or whatever. But it's actually pretty funny. He's actually, nice. I mean, I watched it with my kids, obviously. It's not like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I picked yeah. It up. but yeah, he is. He is absolutely funny. But so we have the character of Adam. He wants to win the competition so that Dolph can partner with him on his homemade workout videos. Okay. They established that at the beginning. Uh, the character of Anders is afraid of needles. So he's not even about to participate. So we pretty much see him throughout the episode trying to avoid the blood drive. And then we have Blake here. Um, he is convinced that it is all some kind of conspiracy led by Dolph Lundgren, who is hoping to start his own army of cloned universal soldiers. I loved this moment. I loved this aspect of it here. 
Yeah, that is that is great. What that is the the kind of theory that like a, a goofball like Blake comes up with. Well, and what's great about this episode here is okay, I, I feel like you know throughout Dolph's entire career, he has always been asked about Rocky Four. I mean, which makes sense. Okay, Rocky Four that that was the film that put him on the map. But what's great about it is there is really only one reference to his character of Ivan Drago in this particular episode. What I loved about it is again, this show was written by fans and people who grew up in the nineties. So they are, they are referencing some of the films that I don't think Dolph uh, really gets asked about much. Okay. Universal soldier showdown in little Tokyo. There's a great showdown in little Tokyo reference at the very end that as a fan, that's what I loved about this particular episode was the, the fact that they were playing with Dolph's image, but they were referencing roles that uh, I don't think, I don't think in this day and age get get mentioned as, as much. Well, that that brings up a question that that I had, and that is, do you think that Dolph was their first choice for this? And I I imagine it probably was. They seem like the kind of guys who probably just absolutely love him, and they were like, wouldn't it be great if we can get Dolph Lundgren? And, and oh yeah, and you know, like, but I, I wonder though if they toyed with other ideas for other like kind of random celebrities they could use for this. Oh, I imagine they, they had to consider Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Don't you think they had to consider Jean-Claude Van Damme? He, I think he would have been perfect and he would have, they would have had some wonderful, uh, uh, you know, in jokes to his career as well. Um, I imagine they had to go to some, to some others as well, but there are some great lines that I love. The, the one that I cracked up at was where they're talking about uh, where they're introducing the blood drive. Okay. The boss is introducing the idea of the blood drive and how they want to win it or whatever. And then Anders asks, well, why is Dolph, uh, why, why is Dolph even a part of this? And then she says, well, because he's a good guy. And then I love how the camera then goes to Blake and he says, that's so Dolph of him. Like, was- <laughs> that, was, that was great. Yeah. Th- this is definitely like a, a by Dolph fans for Dolph fans kind of a thing. Well, and can we also say here, I'm glad you said that actually, but can we say that Dolph looks absolutely awesome? in his brief cameo. And I don't know if you, if you thought the same thing, but the fact that, okay, considering that Dolph throughout this entire episode is being treated and depicted as this pinnacle of achievement for the blood drive competition. Okay. The way that he appears in those final two minutes of the episode. Okay. The way he towers over everyone. Okay. Wearing that purple velvet suit, which I loved as well, but he just looks so rarefied. (laughs) <laughs> and and ethereal in this scene because when he shows up in that scene he's wearing the glasses and he's only in the episode i'd say not even two minutes okay yeah. but when he's in when they're in the hospital room uh looking over adam's bed okay he has this slick you know this slickly combed hair and his skin is almost bronzed i mean he looks the way they film him in that scene they they do him up looking like this, you know, Greek God statue, which I think, which I think lends itself so well, considering the way he's portrayed, you know, through conversations earlier in the episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He, and I mean, and he's like a saint to be doing this. So it's like, it's, it's just perfect. Um, Another thing to, to his particular, the way he's uh, shown within the episode is that cardboard cutout, which I have to imagine you would love a, uh, a copy of for your office there. Oh, I actually have it uh, in in my yeah. living room right now. Actually, you do. no, not really. <laughs> I, I wish that was true. <laughs> so, okay, so I mean, it's it's a very brief 
it's a it's a very brief appearance. Like I said, it's no less than two minutes. What's interesting about this one and the Sunny in Philadelphia one is he's essentially playing himself in these mm-hmm. ones. I mean, he's playing a a more satiric version of himself as opposed to his appearance on Chuck. Okay, he's essentially Ivan Drago if Ivan Drago had a successful supervillain career in Russia or whatever, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. But here he's pretty much playing himself. So, all right, so. Let's get our recommendation out of the way. So looking at this particular episode of Workaholics, okay, did you did you like it? Would you recommend it? And most importantly, uh, how how is Dolph portrayed in the, in this episode for you? Yeah, I thought this was a lot of fun. It's really silly. It's just like one of those kind of shows where, you know, you could jump into just this one episode and watch it and you, you'll get the laughs out of it and you get the Dolph out of it and uh yeah I, I thought it was a lot of fun and i thought that he seems like he's having a lot of fun with those couple of minutes he's on screen yeah i agree i agree i mean i like what you said about how the fact that okay this particular uh this particular episode was obviously written and created and put together by fans of the 90s who let's face it grew up watching showdown in little tokyo <laughs> you know, I, I, having slumber parties and hanging out. I mean, th- that that's pretty much, I think, what what's going on here. So I think it's fun. It's not uh, it's not the best episode, I would say, if you're going to go back through and watch any episodes. I don't think it's the best one that uh, highlights and showcases some of the, the best moments of the show. But um, it, it gives you it definitely gives any newcomer uh, an idea of the of the style of humor that's, yeah, that's on display. For sure. So, OK, let's. uh Let's let's get to the big one, okay? This is the one that you uh, wrote me about. You and I were talking about it, and sadly, um, I didn't get around to watching it until uh, until a couple weeks ago. And uh, that is, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. All right, we are looking at the episode titled "Thundergun Four: Maximum Cool." This uh, this is episode two of season fourteen, and it aired on October second. 2019 on the FX network. All right, David, what are your, what are your general, actually, you know, before we actually even look at this uh, episode, your thoughts on Sunny in Philadelphia, because I know that you're a huge fan. Um, I have a little bit of a personal history with the show as well, but I'll go to you real quick. Um, what is it about this show that, uh, that you enjoy? Well, I think this is a show that, first of all, it's, it's bizarre how long it's run. The fact that we're on, you know, season 14 and now it's been re- renewed, it's still coming back. I think maybe it's on 16 now. It. This is one of the longest running shows ever, and that is totally a surprise to anyone who watched it in the beginning. Like, I don't think anyone expected it to go on this long, but it is a show that just continues to be fresh and smart and kind of changed with the times. And these characters, they're all so awful. The, mm-hmm. these, the, these characters, and it's always sunny. And the fact that they've been able to take these awful, awful people and make them kind of a conduit for what's going on in uh, in the world at the moment, but still getting into their same kind of weird, strange adventures is, 
I mean, it, it, it's a testament to great writing and uh, great performances by these main characters. Now, have you been have you been faithful to to the show? I mean, have you watched it uh, allegiantly from you know its first season to now? I mean, is this a show that you know every night it aired, you caught it? Maybe not on its premiere, but the next day on on demand. I mean, have you stuck with it? I actually started around like season six or seven. I, I was resistant at first, um, but I, I eventually went back and binged the uh, the ones that I had missed. And yeah, now nowadays it's pretty much the only show that I'm still religiously watching because uh, ever since I started piecing it together, I've gotten like so damn busy. It's like all TV series have fell by the wayside except for It's Always Sunny. Well, it's so difficult to start a new television show. I mean, that that's that's the big dilemma that I always have that, you know, yeah. my wife and I always have is like we want to start a new TV show. But the problem is, I feel like especially if you come into a show late that's already in like its third or fourth season and you got to play catch up. I mean, that's a commitment right there. It it's kind of like almost starting a new relationship. Like, do I have the time for this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And so, you know, I will say, you know, me personally. I I was a Sunny fanatic when it first premiered. So I actually caught it in season two. So I watched all of season one uh, backwards. I actually own, I'm looking at them right now. I actually own the first five seasons, I want to say, on DVD, the first four or five seasons. And so I was watching it religiously. And then what happened, it was the season, it was the season where the character of Mac gained all that weight, if you remember. Yeah. Right. Okay. (laughs) So there was the, there was the season with fat Mac and then it was the season right after that. Okay. It was about midway through and to be honest, and maybe, maybe it caught me on like a bad, on a bad couple of weeks on a bad day or whatever. But I just, to be honest, I I got kind of tired of just how awful they were. I felt like at a certain point it, um, it became, and I don't mean to sound like, like a prude or anything like that, but it, 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 for me at least, it got to a certain point where it felt like the writers and everybody we're purposely crossing the line of good and bad taste. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, it was a show that always kind of straddled that line, but it seemed like they were purposely, you know, just, you know, crossing and not even crossing it, but we're just sprinting over it, but, uh, you know, in an attempt to purposely be to, to exhibit these awful people, if you will. Okay. And so it was, like I said, I can't remember what season that was, but it seemed like all the characters were doing were was yelling. Okay, it seemed like all they were doing was yelling at each other and talking over each other. And to be honest, I just got kind of, I got kind of tired of it. I got kind of burnt out of it. And so I just, it's one of those things, you know how it goes, you just kind of drop off of it. Okay, and Mm -hmm. sadly, and I feel kind of bad about it, because for years, I've always thought, "Eh, should I go back and pick it up again? But I never did. I will say, however, though, going back, okay, and watching this one episode from season 14, the show has not skipped a beat at all. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's the amazing thing is I dropped off. I want to, I think that might've been like seven or eight or so that I dropped off. It has not dropped a beat at all. Absolutely. I mean, it, I mean, I feel like I picked right up from where I left off. It is. They're so like vital and, and just full of energy in every episode. And, uh, you know, of course, like any any show that's gone on 14 seasons, there's an episode here and there where it's just kind of like, yeah, there's a couple of good moments, but that's it. But generally speaking, though, it just they just keep finding things to put these guys, you know, into these these crazy situations. And 
the the more that they they comment on real world stuff, the the more that they're able to just keep it going without it getting repetitive. Even though technically it is kind of repetitive, it's these awful people screw up each other's plans and yell at each other. And they don't even like each other. That's the thing that's always, you know, amazed me about the show is you can tell they all have such a disdain for one another, but I think because no one else wants to be in their circle, you know, they just continually, I mean, that's the thing, but yeah, it's, and watching this particular episode, it was the same thing. It was a lot of arguing and talking over one another and belittling each other, which is funny. Don't get me wrong, but, but man, I, to be honest, if I am going to go back through and pick this show up, I don't know if I have the patience to binge, you know what I mean? To binge and watch about 10 episodes, 10 of these episodes a day because with, without just feeling so cynical in the end about myself or whatever. You know what cynical, I mean? cynical is a really good word because I, I was just going to say, I don't know if you're as cynical of a guy as I am, but like when it comes to America as a whole at this particular moment, especially with like what, what COVID has, has shown us, you know, in these last like few years of this country. And it's like, these guys kind of are like a very little microcosm of, of our worst tendencies in this country, I feel like. And I mean, I think that's part of what makes it so entertaining though. Well, I feel like if there's going to be any show that is going to thrive in the midst of uh, the pandemic and everything that we've been in, it's a show like this. I mean, even look at South Park, for example. I mean, South Park, I think is, and that's another show that I sadly um, dropped off of, but I did pick up and I did watch some of the episodes, uh, the, the, the quarantine special, I think is what it was. Mm-hmm. And some of the episodes that picked up on, or that, that, you know, touched upon uh, remote learning and whatnot. And it's absolutely hilarious. You know what I mean? I feel like if there's any shows that can do it, yeah, it's these shows about like South Park, terrible children and sunny Philadelphia, terrible adults. You know I mean? Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's like, it just goes so far and, uh, you, you know, you, you kind of want that aside from just, you know, just your run of the mill sitcoms or, or prestige TV, which everything is now. So the premise of this particular episode is the gang. OK, we <laughs> I think that's how they're always referred to in the episode yeah. titles is the gang. Right. So that's uh, yeah. Danny, Danny DeVito's character, Frank. OK, character of uh, Mac, the character of D. Uh, Charlie, who I think, you know, it's funny because I think Charlie has probably had, uh, what is it? Charlie Day, is that the actor's name? Yeah. He has had the most success since the show's, since the show's uh, initial inception. And you can see, I mean, I mean, th- this guy, he's been in uh, various movies. He's hosted Saturday Night Live. And so you can tell if they, he, he was he was always a main character, but he was always kind of uh, sidelined among the other characters. But you can tell now, since he's had the most success, they are giving his character so much more to do in yeah. these later uh, these later episodes. You know what's funny? Uh, just the other day, it came out that Glenn Howerton was actually the second choice to play the lead in um, Guardians of the Galaxy. The oh, Chris interesting Brack character. Yeah, that's crazy. And and wasn't I mean. <sighs> Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm mean, sorry. We'll be getting to this episode here in a minute, but wasn't there a season where we didn't see Glenn Howerton at all because he was filming that other show coincidentally for, yeah. for NBC, right? Yeah, I think it was the one right before this possibly, or was it right after this? I, I think it was right before this season 13. What, what? Okay. <laughs> so this is interesting. What excuse did the writers give for uh, writing his character out? Was he, was he off, you know, doing something terrible, I imagine? Or do you remember? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was following a girl. 
or something, oh, was which, was, okay. which was so weird because he's so like, you know, he's kind of a sociopath. Um, you know, and so uh, the, the fact that he was like kind of in love or something like that, I, I forget exactly how it worked out. And then all of a sudden he was just back. He was just back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, okay. So yeah, the, the premise of this one is the gang is uh, chosen to be part of a focus group that watches the latest installment of the Thunder Gun film series. Uh, this particular one is uh, called Thunder Gun for Maximum Cool, and it is starring Dolph Lundgren. So when we see Dolph in these uh, in these scenes, okay, he's, of course, playing himself, playing a character, I guess you could say. So it's a movie within the show. So the, the scenes where we see him, these are ostensibly scenes from the movie, that the gang is reviewing. And of course, as usual, uh, the gang's ignorance, selfishness, and overall political incorrectness takes center stage and derails the meeting with the focus group moderator. Be- before we talk about this, I'm curious, David, have you ever participated in a focus group? I'm just curious. I have actually. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that it very much rang true to me uh, a, a lot of how this goes. Yeah, I've done a few as well. What, and I've, I've done some bizarre. I did a movie trailer one one time about a few years ago. Um, actually, more than a few years ago. It was when the movie Neighbors came out. And I, uh, I, I looked at the uh, – me, me and a group of uh, other people looked at the trailers and the TV spots for it and kind of uh, were discussing that one. What, uh, what were some of the, the focus groups that you were in? I was in a bizarre one, I will say real quick, uh, that was looking at uh, Showerheads. We were looking at the, the the packaging designs for shower heads, and we had to oh. determine which ones we liked better. What was uh, what were some of the ones you you sat in on? The only one I remember specifically was actually Hell or High Water, that movie with uh, Jeff Bridges and uh, Oh yeah, yeah, Ben uh, Foster. Ben Foster, yeah, that's right. Okay, was it look? I mean, did you have to watch the entire movie, or was it just the trailer? It was the entire movie, and it's funny because I didn't really like it at the time, and then it came out like. I don't know, nine months later or something like that. And everybody loved it. It was like one of the best reviewed movies of the year. And I, I keep telling myself, I got to go back and like rewatch it and see if maybe they made it like a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I remember renting that one actually when it came out and I didn't think much of it then. I mean, but Jeff Bridges, man, he has that down where he can play that, you know, that mumbling, that yeah. mumbling, that mumbling Texas sheriff or whatever down. I mean, he can, he can play that like he's, uh, he's uh, anyway. Okay, and so this particular episode, I mean, it's pretty much skewering the current cinematic landscape, we will say, in terms of, uh, in terms of what's going on nowadays with uh, rebooting various franchises. They also take some stabs at uh, pirating movies, okay, the whole piracy industry. And so, yeah, well, I mean, I guess your general thoughts on this episode, you, you really dug this one. I, if, if, if I'm... I mean, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn, but this one really spoke to you and your opinions regarding the uh, the current industry. Is that right? Oh, it so much does. And I, I love this episode so much. And I, I think it really puts on display just how complicated an issue uh, the changing landscape of, of, of movies is. And, I, you know, people, th- this kind of takes every side of the situation. It takes 
the people getting mad about PC and about, uh, you know, changing who stars in these movies and, and what the goals of these movies are. And it, it skewers the whole R rated versus PG and people getting mad about that. And then I, I, I love that by the end of this episode, it puts the, uh, the blame really where it belongs, which is on people for not supporting the things that they claim to love so much. And I mean, the, the end of this episode, not to jump ahead, but uh, the fact that they're just getting ready to just pirate the, the movie that they're so, you know, so adamant about on their phone, which does absolutely nothing for anybody who, you know, claims to want R-rated and want their old favorite actors back in the same tone and the same, you know, everything. It, it's just, it just goes to show just the hypocrisy that a lot of people have. And it just drives me nuts when people are constantly pirating movies all the time and mm-hmm. then complaining about the kind of movies they get because they are the problem. And then just, uh, again, not to skip ahead, but just to put that cap on it, the very last moment of the episode where Charlie says, put the Automotion Plus on, which is just an absolute sin for a movie lover. Um, it's just so funny. But uh, yeah, there's so many moments in this episode that I love so much. And then, you know, I'm sure you want to talk about Dolph himself in it. Uh, he is so great as John Thundergun. Um, that that first scene where, where she's like, is your name John Thundergun? And he goes, maybe once over the little shot of whiskey. <laughs> it's yeah. Like so funny. Uh, it, it's just, it's great. This episode is so good. There's so many things in it that we could talk about. You know, there really is. I mean, and you said, you said quite a bit there. I mean, yeah, the whole piracy industry is, uh, yeah, I mean, th- that right there. I mean, <laughs> look, it, it's been a problem for years. And I mean, you know, it's interesting because that's one of the big reasons for why, I mean, if you look at guys like Dolph and guys like Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal, okay, you know, nowadays, I mean, the, the, the movies that they are doing, we've talked about this on, on previous episodes, but the movies that they're doing nowadays are made for such small budgets and they have yeah. such short shooting schedules. And you can't help but wonder if piracy is one of the big issues for this. I mean, because, I mean, it's going to be filmed and if it gets out there on the internet, then there's no possible way for the film to uh, to make money in the end. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember watching uh, Scott Atkins. I don't know if you're familiar with Scott Atkins, but he's a wonderful uh, martial artist and actor in the genre. Mm-hmm. And he was asked, uh, you know, he did this uh, live Q&A or whatever on YouTube, I remember. And this was about a good eight, nine years ago or so. And they were asking him, well, when are you going to do another Boyka movie? Boyka is a character that he's done in uh, quite a few movies. I think he's done now four Boyka movies, if I'm not mistaken. But um, they asked, when are you going to do another Boyka movie? And he said, look, I would love to do another Boyka movie. Okay. But the problem is, is all of you guys that are clamoring for another Boyka movie. Okay. You pirated the last Boyka movie that was, I mean, when it leaked online, you guys all watched it online. And so as a result, by the time it came to DVD and Blu-ray, no one bought it. You know what yep. I mean? Because you had already seen it. So why would I do another one when there's really not there's not much in it for me and for the fans at this point? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you see it in my my popcorn and puzzle pieces group. I get a lot of pushback on the whole theater versus streaming thing. And it's not like it is that I love to watch movies in the theater more than watching movies at home. It is that, but it's really not just that. It's the fact that this is a business. And if these movies can't 
make money, they're either not going to get made or they're going to get made for cheaper and then just not be as good. And I, I, I love movies and I want to see good movies get made. And then speaking to that, that thing you just said about that one example, um, I'll never stop being mad about the fact they didn't get to finish Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, And they very specifically said like, hey, we're not going to get to finish this uh, series, which they envisioned as a five season series. They only got to do three because people wouldn't sign up for stars. And you could literally sign up for stars for $9 and you you could binge the season and then cancel stars. That would have been all it takes. But everyone just complained and said, oh, I'm not paying for that. Even though they 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 begged for 20 plus years for more Evil Dead. It finally came and they wouldn't pay for it. They they just wanted to pirate it. And it just it sucks. And it makes me so angry. And yeah, then you'll get the the one random person that's like, oh, well, it's not available in my country. And it's like, you know what? That sucks, too. And that's one person that's like a, a small example that's a an anecdotal you know example of of it not being available for certain people but for the rest of them that doesn't excuse the rest of them yeah yeah well i mean and correct me if i'm wrong but i remember i remember listening to uh to one analyst talking about this you know since the pandemic obviously people just aren't going to the movies anymore okay and yeah. so the studios are key to this okay the studios are in tune to this to where they've said okay if people aren't going to be going to the movies well then how do we get our content out there well we will release it as a premium video on demand release to where people mm-hmm. can either rent it or buy it for 19.99 okay and you think about that and it's like oh my goodness like rent it at home for 19.99 however i mean if you think about it okay a family of 3 a family of 4 Okay, go to can go to the theater, buy the movie tickets, or they can watch it from home to where you get it for 48 hours, okay, and watch it from the comforts of your home. You can pause it, go to the bathroom, do all that stuff. Granted, it's not the same as seeing it on the big screen, but it does in the end, especially for a family or a couple looking to have a date night or whatever, it yeah. does make um, some financial sense. And I remember listening to this analyst talk about it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he said something along the lines of by doing it this way, it does help fight back against the piracy a little bit because then it's a little more difficult for the pirates to, you know, to pirate the film and put it on the internet. If it's, you know, streaming directly into the consumer's home already, because then they are having to, they're having to buy it already or, you know, pay the money to rent it. And so that's one thing as well. Like, look, I don't want to see theaters go either, but on the other hand, if this is what it's going to take to, you know, to stop that piracy or whatever, then, you know, hey, I mean, I, I guess I'd be supportive of it on that end. Yeah, sure. I, I think anything that that gets it away from just being free content, like, you know, and it's like I, I love free, too. I love getting a deal. You know, I'm I'm who who doesn't like getting a deal on stuff and, you know, getting things for free. But it's like if we if we want these these movies that continue being made at a certain level they they just have to generate some kind of income or else it's just not going to work and i it's just it's such a complicated issue though because then of course it becomes uh how much is too much as far as a cost for that at home viewing and how much is too little and what are people willing to do and it's all very very complicated and i think you know back to the the episode of it's always sunny it, it just goes to show that piracy is just one aspect of this changing uh 
you know, uh, you know, social norms are a big part of this episode in uh, what the movie actually is. There's a really, really funny moment in this where they're talking about uh, whether or not they could see Thunder Guns Dong. And uh, the, the studio lady says that they don't think nudity is necessary anymore. And Charlie just blurts out you. And it's just so just out of nowhere and just so hilarious. And I remember that's how it aired too on TV, which was, uh, which was amazing that they allowed that in there. But um, yeah, it's like the people are so resistant to change, but change is something that kind of, it, it has to be a part of it. It's just a matter of how much. Well, that's really interesting because, okay, there, there's a couple things you said there. Okay, if you look at uh, what this episode really reminded me of was the backlash and the, the rollout of The Expendables 3. Okay, when Expendables 3 was released in 2014, first of all, it was announced that it was going to be rated PG-13. Yeah. Okay. Which a lot of the action fans were rallying against. Like, what? You can't do that. Like, this is, uh, you, that's sacrilege or whatever. You can't have an action movie do that. But let's face it, when you open up to PG 13, okay, that's going to open it up to a wider market to where it could potentially make more money. I mean, and let's face it, if you look at the Expendables movies, Expendables 1 and 2, if you take out the digital blood from those movies, they almost could be PG 13 anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to me, that wasn't a huge deal. But I don't know if you remember this or not, David, but yeah, Expendables 3 was the victim of piracy. Okay. Yeah. And it got leaked onto the internet prior to its release. Lionsgate still stuck to the release. And when it came out, and there, there's quite a few problems already going with the film. But if you look at the box office returns for Expendables 3 compared to the other two, I mean, Without a doubt. Yeah, you could say maybe the PG-13 actually worked against it and hurt it. But without a doubt, it was the piracy. It was the fact that people had already seen it online. So why plop, why plop down $10 for a ticket? Yeah. No, absolutely. It, it's, it's undeniable, yet people try to deny it anyway. The other thing that you mentioned that I thought was interesting as well was the uh, the lack of nudity. And that, for me, also spoke to me because I remember... Okay, in the 90s, going to the video store with my friends, okay, and renting movies purely based on the nudity, okay? I mean, <laughs> tying it back to what we talked about earlier, Showdown a Little Tokyo, let's be honest, one of the big reasons why I think that movie was rented. I mean, yes, Brandon Lee, okay, the, the, the combo of Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren is awesome, okay? Mm-hmm. And the fight scenes in that film are amazing. But I, I, have you seen Showdown a Little Tokyo? I might have seen it back in high school or whatever, but I don't remember it. Okay. I, th- there, there, there is a ton of unnecessary and gratuitous nudity in the film. I mean, th- that, that's just one of the things. And I think that was one of the big reasons why, okay, if you were a, uh, uh, <laughs> a young pre-teenager or whatever in the 90s, okay, that was one of the big reasons why, you know, you, you rented a lot of these movies where there was the possibility of uh, there might be some... Uh, <laughs> you know, you might, you might, there might be some flashing of uh, some skin. We will say. I mean, look at yeah. any of the Andy Sedaris movies. That was one of the big. That was one of the big things that uh, uh, we, we all rented back in the '90s were those Andy Sedaris films. But yeah, it's interesting because I remember reading a statistic online again as well. This is what's interesting is when the Basic Instinct Two movie came out. Okay, now first of all. 
there was no need for a sequel to Basic Instinct even to even be made. Okay, <laughs> but that film did terrible, and some of the analysts again who were analyzing on why it did so terrible, they said, "Well, okay, when the first Basic Instinct movie came out, one of the big selling factors was the unnecessary nudity." Okay, when the sequel came out, we have everything on the internet to where you don't really need to put money down and buy a ticket when everything is already online anyway, in terms of if, if, if that's why you're going to go rent a movie or see a film, right? Well, why do it when it's already online? So I get it as well. Them saying, okay, let's, let's go PG 13 because look, everything's out there already. Yeah. PG 13 maximizes your, you know, possible income uh, from different audiences. And if people don't need that anymore in their in their movies it's like it's kind of a no-brainer yeah well i mean let's let's talk about uh let's talk about dolph in this particular episode how he is portrayed and his various scenes i mean what's interesting is we haven't talked about it but i do remember from when i did view those early seasons of sunny this is pretty much uh hearkening back to an in joke or whatever yes. when uh in an early season mac and charlie were trying to write a uh, a new movie and they determined that uh, Dolph Lundgren was one of the most unappreciated actors of all time, they said. Yeah. And so uh, so they cast him. I think that the movie was The Smell of Crime that they developed where Dolph had like a giant nose that could sniff out crime or something <laughs> like that. I mean, it was, it was, it was really ridiculous. But um, in this particular one, yeah, he's playing, uh, he's playing this character, Thundergun, who is essentially... Uh, passing the torch on to a younger, I mean, we see this as well. I mean, if you look at shows like Cobra Kai and uh, a lot of the stuff hitting the theaters, I mean, Creed for crying out loud. Okay. We see this a lot where, you know, a, an older, the, the older version who we all grew up watching is passing the torch on for someone younger to continue the franchise into the new age. And that's pretty much what they are, uh, what they're commenting on and doing with this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's necessary because I mean these guys can't play the same character forever. I mean, you know, then you end up with these later diehard movies, you know, like it, it's like you you really need to kind of pass the torch, but uh you know, the the gang kind of speaks for most people in that we all we all kind of revolt against it even though it's what has to happen. Well, and can we say though? I mean, can we say that thank goodness uh it didn't latch and it didn't work with uh, Indiana Jones, him passing on the whip to yeah. Shia LaBeouf's character. I think no one wanted that. So, Nobody. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Any uh, closing thoughts regarding this particular episode? Uh, I, like I said, I know that this is a show and I, a show that you uh, is very near and dear to you that you really enjoy. And I uh, of course want to give it the, uh, the attention and the credit that, uh, that it deserves, but anything else that spoke to you with this episode? Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I think we kind of hit most of the things, uh, one funny moment a little earlier in the episode is, is how they go on about how they want the bad guy to be different from me, you know, like people hate foreigners and like that, that whole thing. And, uh, you know, Dolph and, and his whole, you know, his whole persona just fits so perfectly, uh, into being against that whole thing. And, and so it's just, it's just a silly, uh, you know, a silly action movie idea to have, I think, for these characters. But going back, I mean, okay, we're going to go full circle here. But isn't that interesting how in the episode of Chuck, 
Where yep. is it that the characters go? They go to Russia because Dolph is playing the big bad guy from where? From Russia. Because apparently in these action movies, if you're Russian, you're bad, I guess. It's 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 it, it fits so perfectly back to that whole kind of trend of the 80s. It's great. Yeah. Well, this is uh, D- David. This has been a ton of fun. I'm glad that uh, that we were able to do this. Uh, thank you for for taking the time to uh, to watch these other shows. Um, for anyone who's at least a little curious, uh, yeah, the the episode of Sunny that we discussed, as well as Workaholics, um, these are both available on Hulu. And then all five seasons of Chuck are available on Amazon Prime. At least that's how I was able to uh, to view it. Um, before I let you go, before I wrap this up, uh, tell us a little bit about piecing it together. I mean, movies are slowly getting released again in the yeah. theaters. So uh, you uh, now have some new content for for your show, right? That's right. Yeah, it's it's been a weird year. Let's put it that way. But there there's always so much stuff to cover. So we've we've been able to uh, pull it together. But yeah, now we're going to start getting some big movies again. So that's going to be fun to do. But yeah, piecing it together, we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. So we will uh, take a look at a new release, like maybe the upcoming Mortal Kombat and take a look at what other uh, classic movies and martial arts might have inspired some of these uh, sequences or maybe in video game to movie adaptations, things like that, and uh, try to try to get to the bottom of what inspired this new release. And uh, you have been on the show a couple of times. Hopefully we'll get you back on again sometime soon. And it's always a revolving cast of guests that I have on to help me piece together these movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Warner Brothers, they pretty much uh they they completely okay, pulled a 180 and changed the entire game by releasing their films uh not only in theaters but also putting them on HBO Max free for subscribers. And so, I'll admit, man, I mean, I they they hooked me. Okay? I mean, they they got me as soon as they announced that to where okay, look, I could pay to take my family to see Wonder Woman 84 in theaters or by paying for uh, HBO Max for six months and pay 70 bucks and not only get to see Wonder Woman 84, but Mortal Kombat and Godzilla versus Kong from the comforts of my home. It was like, look, you got me. Yeah. Well, I I will say at the time of this recording, uh, this coming weekend, I'm getting my second vaccine. Then I got to wait two more weeks. You know, that's what they say you're supposed to do. And Godzilla vs. Kong, it'll be on my TV ready to watch, but I am not doing it that. I am going to the theater for no matter what. (laughs) <laughs> you are okay how about mortal Kombat? are you are you going to view that one in theaters or do that one from home mortal Kombat, i will decide last minute i am so excited for it like i i, I keep joking that if it's not the best video game movie of all time then it's a, a disappointment because it looks so good i'm so excited for it but yeah that one i might watch at home we'll see right on right on well cool well again david this has been a ton of fun thank you very very much and uh we'll hope to uh have you back on again here uh here soon maybe the next time Dolph appears in a uh in another situational comedy television show i know that we we have you tapped for that market so that sounds fun for me man absolutely all right to everyone out there who is listening please feel free to rate and review the show on itunes stitcher or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews. And we'll see you all next time on I Must Break This Podcast. 